we'll see what happens. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> or you but, can just be like me and be the freak who keeps keeps doing it. You know, I I'm all for it. Um, Rhyme or free, it doesn't matter to me. It's my bad poetry. Good day, and welcome to My Bad Poetry, a podcast that started when two friends wanted an excuse to talk to each other weekly. And now that we're sick of each other, we have invited others in on the conversation. I'm Aaron, and with Dave unable to make it to the recording today, we decided to invite another cishet white Midwest dad with a dog to the show as a sub. All joking aside, Mitchell Nobis is not a substitute at all, but our scheduled guest, an English teacher, a writer, a facilitator of the National Writing Project's Teachers as Poets group, and the host of Wednesday Night Sessions, a project from the Kickstart Farmington Reading Series. Mitch, we, um, today it's a royal we, but we are very excited to have you on the show. Uh, I'm excited to be here, Your Highness. Thank you. Very <laughs> <much>. <laughs> yeah, D Dave sends his regards, but um, we were talking off uh, before the show. He he got called in with COVID-related work issues. So, so d was there anything that I missed in that intro that maybe you want to elaborate on, or or uh, did we did we hit the nail on the head? I think I, I mean that's that's the the summary version right i mean we could always go on and on i mean this is a, a non-visual program right so they can't right. see that i'm old i mean the, the we're on zoom right now you can see my face which looks relatively normal right but you don't see the big gaping spot of flesh back here at the top of my head that my kids love to just like pat and rub so like there's guaranteed if any hair wanted to come back it can't because my eight-year-old like rubs it like a <laughs> <the> watch arm <laughs> Daddy's bald smile like thanks now yeah it's, it's yeah. glimmering now thanks to you literally rubbing it in yeah. yes. Yes. <laughs> um I've been meaning to ask uh what grades do you teach uh so short version there for so I think I just finished my 25th year of teaching maybe wow. 20 congrats that's amazing thank you yeah I mean at some point the numbers it's sort of like birthdays like at some point like <laughs> I'm just still going you know I, somewhere in the mid-20s um, the vast majority of that was high school English and um, any any of it, like I've kind of done whatever they've needed, ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th grade, 12th grade, you name it. Um, for years, I taught uh, the AP language class, which nice. is kind of a nonfiction writing intensive one. Um, if you added up all my years of experience, I probably taught more 10th grade sophomore English than anything else. But in the last few years, I actually have not been mostly in the high school classroom. I'm mostly doing these kind of quasi-administrative gigs now. Like I'm still a teacher, but I'm in a large suburban school district where there's kind of other needs as well. So I've, okay. done, some, I've done some stuff as a behavior specialist. Right now, I'm doing some virtual learning mentor teacher stuff. The kids who stayed online um, need support. So I don't actively deliver the curriculum that's done through these other online programs, but I'm sort of like uh, a kid last year. That, here I am trying to explain it. Always just quote the students. A kid last year said, oh, Nobis, you're like an assistant assistant principal. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that's okay. It. So um, I'm in these in this kind of uh, interesting space now where not, not a lot of teachers have these kinds of gigs. It's fun for me, because like I've said already, I'm kind of mid to late career, depending on how you mm -hmm. want to crunch the numbers. So it's like, it's a different kind of thing. Um, but I have to, I have to communicate with these students every week and I send out these weekly emails. I still include a poem every time. 
Oh, of course you do. You're mentioning like how great poets.org is. I'm constantly using their search function. Yes. Um, like, oh, summer's coming. Where's that Amy Nizuku Matatil poem about summer? Like, you know, like I know it exists. I gotta gotta find it. Um, so I do, I still, I still sneak it in where I can. That's great. Uh, it's funny that the majority of your um, teaching career has been 10th grade uh, sophomore English because for longtime fans of the show, I guess, a majority of the Wolf Journal was written during my 10th grade sophomore uh, English class when we were introduced to our poetry segment. So that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. So you might have some students who have been influenced by you and have their own truly awful poetry hidden away somewhere. <laughs> those, those poor, poor people. Yeah. Well, speaking of poetry, normally Dave comes in at this point and gives us a poem that he has written on the spot to kind of transition us into the show. Without Dave, I have stepped up to the task. And I have to say, uh, I've always knocked him for uh, just throwing together things at the last minute. But I've realized now the pressure of a deadline producing these poems on a weekly basis. I, I haven't given him enough credit where credit's due. So here we go. Uh, our poem from the day. Uh, and it goes like this. What is a co-host without a co-host? Are they a host or are they a ghost? To go ahead without a body or voice, it's a hard choice. Yet we carry on with this quest to speak with our next guest. Made aware of this change without much notice, we welcome Mitch Nobis. I am so wildly honored to make an appearance in the bad poem of the week. <laughs> oh my God. Do you know how hard it is to rhyme your last name? <laughs> no, yeah, not easy. Not easy. I, and and even, even mine was a stretch, but... Oh, it worked. Totally. Worked. <laughs> yeah. Um, needless to say, we miss you, Dave. And um, we'll have to we'll have to bring you back on, Mitch, when, when Dave's around. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you you gave us some some doozies. So it's it's my understanding that you have something called a dead letter office folder. Uh, you mentioned it on Twitter when you were kind of volunteered for the show. And that's where you found these poems today. So I think these actually predate the dead letter office. So oh my. okay. Yeah, let me, I'll try to be quick. Let me give some kind of context. So now that we've talked about me as a teacher, I'm also a dad. We have an eight and a 12 year old. Um, and I also try to write fiction and, and occasionally nonfiction. Uh, so about 12 years ago, when kid number one came along, um, and side note, we're adoptive parents. So when okay. kid number one comes along, it's like, poof it, you know it's kind of surprising yeah. you don't have the nine to ten month like preamble so to speak like you're not necessarily sure when you'll get the phone call so i kind of became a much shorter writer overnight like i didn't have time to work on long pieces so i'm like mm. let's focus on poetry and that's kind of kept going i still tinker with prose but um the busy parent life means that you don't really have time to sit down for two hours and so you got to focus on shorter forms which meant you know more poetry than the novel projects, things like that. So somewhere in the middle of that, I realized I had stuff everywhere. Um, my rough drafts are on like literally backs of receipts, uh, voice notes. Like, you know, you, now that you can plug the phone into the car, it's glorious. Like I can actually just hit a button on the steering wheel and like capture some lousy first draft idea while I'm commuting. Nice. But for years I didn't have that. So it's just like notes everywhere. 
Um, and so once teachers tend to write in the summer, right? Like I don't get to write a lot, say January. So every year I'll spend some time in June and July kind of diving back into stuff. And one year I just dug through it all. Mm. And I'm also kind of a, my wife would call me a hoarder or a pack rat. I would think of myself more as maybe a historian, <laughs> let's say. Archivist. And, yeah, yes, that's perfect. That's the word. I couldn't bring myself to just toss all this stuff. So I'm like, I don't know, someday I might be 86 and retired and have time on my hands to sit back and reminisce. Who knows? Um, so I found like, you know, folders of these things. The stuff that was digital and was hot garbage went in, I had, I had to do something. So I created the dead letter office, right? So it exists. It is archived. I never look in it. <laughs> um, but then when you guys invited me out, I'm like, well, so that that was the stuff from roughly like 2006. You know, okay, before okay. Before I was creating anything I considered worthwhile, more or less. Uh, so then I did even more special work. I dug up the actual folder. It's over here. Somewhere. Oh, nice. Okay. File cabinet down here that I dusty. I never get into it. Much to my wife's chagrin, it's just sitting there gathering dust. Um, and yeah, some of these, I mean, so I didn't write a lot. I didn't write at all in high school. Um, I kind of discovered literature in high school. I'm kind of your classic back to the androsis at white boy. I'm like, hey, Whitman, this dude's cool. Um, <laughs> kind of the, the usual, for me, it was 11th grade American lit where I went to school. Um, like this, okay, I, I, this is more interesting than I ever thought it was. And so I started reading. I didn't actually try to write poetry until... It depends on how you define poetry, but like after college was what I would consider actually trying to write poems. In college, I was in a couple of different bands. So, you know, mm. we probably some kind of variation on the theme, right? And that's actually, depending on which one we choose to read, one of these um, originates as a song. Um, yeah, I, was that, that was long. I'd no, that, that was, was great. That context. was great. I love the context. So can I guess uh, which one was the song? Oh, man. Yeah, go for it. Uh, I'm gonna <laughs> guess the 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 written quickly on on paper here. Gas station roses. So I guess this as I look at them, I kept the papers out. It's kind of a trick question. That was gonna be a song that I don't feel like I ever actually put into verses. Um, so yes, there, there were there was two thirds of options to get the right answer there. So you got one of them. <laughs> so it was a trick question. Two out of the three, one was like written as a song, one was written to become a song, and then one's the straight poem. Do you think we should start with the straight poem or? Oh man, I, do you have a preference? I mean, <laughs> sure. What, what, they're, all, they're all pretty lousy, so. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's, let's go with Gas Station Roses because it's, it's in your original handwriting. You can just see the, the passion poured in onto the page here. Um, and I just love to hear it in your voice. So let's, let's hear gas station roses. Right. I think it's probably a great choice because not to give away too much, but the first word is amongst. Oh, so yes. Already. <laughs> you are in the hands of a master. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Aaron. Okay. Yeah. Here, ladies and gentlemen, sometime in probably 1996 is gas station roses. Amongst the candy bars and liquor bottles, the ringing cash registers and old newspapers, and the bustle of everyone sits the jar of roses, wrapped in plastic tubes, sometimes boxes, with a bow and a price tag, they smell vaguely of roses and more strongly fossil fuels. In the middle of life's hustle and panic, beaming through the plastic lies peaceful, loving, packaged beauty. 
Gas station roses, a small but honest gift, smelling of grease and love, to show how very much, more than I can ever say, you mean to me. It may not look to be much, but it carries vast importance, a tiny token of feelings, a stately representative coming forth, bearing my message of love for you. Oh, wow. <laughs> I knew it was going to hurt to read that out loud, but oh. it would hurt more than I thought it would. Yeah, yeah, it's it's hard to get get through them sometimes. That that is that is something. Um, Your representative, uh, yeah, a stately representative I, coming forth. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> just the, the 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 defense that you are bringing to what is often perceived as a last minute gift of like desperation yes. Yes. is uh i i don't want to say honorable it's a it's a choice you are making <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes the station rose yeah so this is a prose poem i guess i mean so a little more i'm, I'm a big fan of context i guess yes yeah when i heard about your show um, even before I was invited on, I'm like, oh, there's someplace there's that one about gas station roses. Um, so I'm glad you wanted me to read this. Honestly, like, as I think about it, like this was the first one that came to mind. And I hadn't, I just knew that I had written it. I have not read this thing since this week. Like it's been whatever that is, 30 mm -hmm. years. Um, I just knew it was out there because it's one that I, like I said, like I was in a band then that was heavily influenced by like country rock. Like, uh, Oh, every, every rose has a thorn type or yeah, like the nineties were, we're kind of independent indie dorks. Somewhere like uh, uncle Tupelo, if you're familiar with that band or Neil Young. Um, okay. Stuff like yeah. That. Yeah. So there is that kind of like, Oh, let's write about nobility of the unnoticed and things like that. So God knows where, I mean, I didn't have a girlfriend. Like, I don't know who the, the love interest is. <laughs> like, this is just an attempt at, this is going to be a country rock song someday. Yeah, so is it a prose poem? Man, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it was going to be. It was it was theoretically someday going to be a hit song. That's that's what it was going to be. <laughs> your, your country rock influence totally explains the roses. And the gas station, right? And gas station roses. And the, like, oh, road man. trip. I I, yeah yeah it, it what's what's fascinating to me is you are describing these roses in not the best of light and yet you are still presenting it as like this noble act of love it's like they yeah they smell of gas yeah they're wrapped in plastic and sometimes boxes i mean <laughs> and yet within is this small beauty <laughs> it's I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't have an explanation for you. Like, there's it, it's well, and we don't need to get to it. But like the, the one of the other poems I, I threw your guys' way is I grew up on a farm, and like that one also is trying to get at like this this quiet nobility nonsense. Like, like life is everything is important and grand, and like even the gas station rose, which we all know is like the thing you get for Mother's Day when like you screwed up in every way possible the previous week and you're on your way to your mom's house as you're speaking like oh i've got to go or a date which is almost like i was gonna say worse but no it'd be worse to be bad to your mom it's almost never a good thing like I, 
there probably are circumstances where the gas station rose is a good thing, but man, there's not going to be many. Not many. Yeah. Unless you're like running from the airport and, um, that's the first thing you can, you can grab before seeing someone. If your love interest knows that you had literally no other option, but you you're showing that you at least did this, like, then it is a sign of like, you know, romantic thought or thinking of you like everything has its place, right? There has to be a place for the gas station rose. Um, which I guess is what I was shooting for here. <laughs> I mean, it starts with amongst, it calls it a stately representative coming forth. Oh, oh. Yeah, I'm... Not good, Aaron, it's not good. It's, it's um... <laughs> uh, smelling of grease and love. That is, that is the, the line that got me the best. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> first of all, uh, if it's wrapped in plastic, why does it smell of grease? Yeah, I mean, it's not, and it's not like the, you know, when you're shopping for Doritos or like a Gatorade, like they don't smell of grease, like the garage part might. Yeah, like, yeah. Unless, it, unless it's like food grease and it's by like the spinning hot dogs, but. What? Yeah, no, that's clearly what I was saying. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh. so let's go with that. <laughs> I, I do think that the the explanation that you weren't currently in a relationship might also help explain this. I don't know if that makes it better or worse. Like if this was an attempt at like a, a love poem, like for somebody I had just started seeing, like then I could I could defend it. Like, okay, you're tw- I would have been about 23 probably at the time. Um a doofus let's be clear sure, so yeah <laughs> then I'm like, okay i could say yeah, it's a love poem from a doofus sure but i really i i i guarantee this was written like coming out of college my first year as a teacher i wasn't seeing anybody i lived at home for six months for crying out loud like i was definitely not seeing anybody um yeah that this has to just be an attempt at like writing my own like uncle tupelo neil young kind of like <laughs> I don't know, man. And I was the drummer. We didn't even use my song. <laughs> <laughs> it gets worse, Aaron. It gets worse. Like I was not a songwriter. Like I wanted to be. I thought of myself as one. And the, the, the story ends happy when I eventually start writing poems, right? But at the time, yeah, no. At the time, it's just yeah. you, you thought you were Lennon or McCartney, but hmm. yes, yeah. And it's and again, this is, this is a podcast. You can't see the visual. It's actually on like yellow legal pad paper. I know. So, all I can figure is that I actually probably wrote this in like a staff meeting as a rookie teacher because <laughs> I wasn't like a big yellow legal pads guy. I still, I'm still not. I like blank paper. Um, sure. Noodle too. So like this has to be like something they gave out in a staff meeting. Like, oh, here's your notepad for the year or something. I don't know. I, yeah, it must have been a truly awful meeting to inspire that's kind of of why i mentioned it like so i think this gets worse the more you think about it 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 does and that's (laughs) that's the beauty of it it's not a legitimate love poem i'm probably supposed to be paying attention to like how we're going to assign detentions or something to students uh and i'm writing this instead like thinking that no this will be a hit song someday you kind of you know like you want to go back in time and just like you know rub that guy's shoulder like buddy it's it's okay (laughs) give up on this <laughs> oh we could we could spend all episode on this she's a beaut didn't she yes yes beaming through the plastic lies peaceful loving packaged beauty beaming 
through the building. Oh, have you ever it. looked at a gas station rose and thought, wow, that is that is a beauty? <laughs> One can only assume that on some drive back to my parents' place where I lived for six months coming out of college, that I must have. <laughs> Again, stories not getting better. <laughs> I would hope that there is at least some sort of uh, like tactical visual memory that that inspired this that was the seed to this because otherwise you have quite the imagination (laughs) and that's the thing right with the no girlfriend this is all imagination which also just makes it kind of painful so like part of me wants to go back in time and rub this guy's shoulder be like it's okay bud the other part wants to go back and just slap him (laughs) (laughs) or you know we could look at it in a in a positive light and be like you invented something out of nothing here you painted a, a picture it's not a pretty picture, but you painted one. And um, for for a 23-year-old learning the art, that's that's admirable. I mean, I mean, you know, I did end up at this point in time getting some stuff published, right? You got to yeah. start someplace. Yeah. So. You have to start with the gas station rows. And then, then maybe you'll work your way up to a boutique of flowers. <laughs> <laughs> a legitimate love <laughs> interest. Oh man. Well, uh, let's look at one of these other two just to see. Um, these are typed. So, so these are second drafts, brother. Second drafts. Yes. That's the best part. We get to see some evolution in your in your craft here. Is there one you, you prefer? I guess um no. <laughs> Not. There's not, but I, I guess I would say just for the sake of variety, maybe we can look at the one that was supposed to actually be a poem and never thought of as like, there's no refrain, right? Like it's not intended to be a song. So Perfect. I we could look at the one I titled Harvest. Yes, let's do that. This is, ah, you're making me do this twice. Yep, that's, that's the fun part. <laughs> All right, uh, this one was titled Harvest. Wake early as you need all the daylight that feeble autumn sun can spare. Eat heartily of oats and grains. You will need to be aware and energetic. Dress quietly. Others are still sleeping and your boots clunk heavily on wood floors. Go outdoors, inhale night's last breaths and greet the morning. Approach fields with reverence and gritted determination. Crops await you. Labor intensively. There is much work to be done. Acres to cover, intricacies to maneuver. Haul quickly. Truckloads of crops need to be stored securely and properly and rapidly. Walk proudly. Once the crop is in, the task completed, go and plan the winter's rations. Okay. Um. (laughs) Again, I apologize to the listeners. (laughs) I say this with uh, as much respect um, as I, I can muster, this sounds like um, two things. Uh, it reminds me of that. Have you heard that poem, like, God Needed a Farmer? I have, yeah. Yeah, it kind of sounds like a cheap knockoff of that. <laughs> yes. And then and then there's the, uh, it also just sounds like a an instruction manual. Yes, to both of those. It also, if, you, if you're looking at it, you can see like I'm doing this very crafty indentation move. Mm-hmm. The left align stuff is all like verb adverb. So I mu- this must be following some prompt. 
Okay. Like somebody must have said, like, hey, adverbs aren't always bad guys. What if you use them? Like, I'm hoping that's what I was doing because, like, wake early, eat heartily, eat heartily, eat heartily, <laughs> get that daily iron in your cereal. And it gets worse because, like, I, I don't remember if I mentioned this earlier, like, I'm from a farm and I assure the listener. This is not how farm life is. This is, again, we're going back to some invented nobility theme. <laughs> like, yes, we eat heartily of oats and grains. Like, no, that's what you give the animals on the farm. Like, you, you might fry an egg and get to work, right? You know, you don't eat heartily. Like, this is, again, this is a, a piece of fiction way more than it is an accurate depiction of farm life in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> yeah. The, the invented nobility like well walk proudly once the crop is in sit and plan the winter's rations like no we watch football we have cookouts like you know we, we're farmers are humans who have lives like yes it's all dignity and planning the rations i again if i could go back in time this guy gets slapped <laughs> it is painting the picture of kind of that pre-industrial like 19th century farmer with the mule right yeah i mean probably does not capture if, if this were an attempt at actually capturing like okay yes you get up early that part yeah, is accurate yeah um there's something in that inhale night's last breath line like you know the, the air is still cool and i like, do like that it that was that was something i could i could um i could actually kind of sense that i mean i i did not have the farm life but like sometimes while camping you wake up early and you kind of yeah. breathe in that last kind of lingering uh missed oh, it, it, that that was cool i like that line yeah, it's, it's uh, that, that being up when the dew is is actually like forming on the grass yeah right? that's it's the only thing that might be salvageable here i would argue yeah um, because past that it's all like all this nobility stuff like no brother we go out like into a john beer like i would listen to npr all day long when i worked <laughs> on the farm like i'm not sitting there with reverence and gritted determination <laughs> like i've worked on the farm in some 20 years but like now john deere's and not just john deere's is an, an advertisement although if you can get sponsored by john deere go for it yeah um but like they they even have the gps stuff where like you often don't even have to steer yeah you hit a button and it just kind of takes you around yeah plot the field like if you drive the perimeter of the field it will like get the layout and then it will just plot the lines for you so they're perfectly straight which is way easier for um harvesting you know months down the line so like there's like you could literally just kick back and listen to the radio for the next six hours like this is pure fiction <laughs> <laughs> i mean the the nobility is exactly the right word uh, maybe like a fan fiction of like imagine if a farmer's life was was this um regimented and uh beautiful yeah this is like trying to run farming through a gerard manley hopkins filter or something like gorgeous and meaningful and like i mean i do not want to besmirch farming like it is a very difficult job it's just that this poem is not capturing any of the parts that are actually difficult <laughs> you know the waking up early part a little hard um but you know it's this, this poem is not quite capturing what's really going on yeah and um i do like uh gerard manley hopkins for uh poetry so i don't want to besmirch his name either but <laughs> yeah it's it's uh it is that kind of that 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 noble creation filter exactly like you said 
Well, and part of what's painful is, again, I'm writing these things at probably age 23, a solid like eight or nine years after most people go through that phase of the, like the vaunted language, like I'm going to write poetry. Mm. Um, like I should have known better by then, but I came to it later. Like this isn't a high school notebook. You know? <laughs> I'm teaching somebody American literature at the time I wrote this probably. <laughs> like, so that's it's a little more embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, within your curriculum, were you teaching like Thoreau or some of those kind of existential or, or transcendentalist uh, poets at the time, like the, those who saw beauty in the in the woods? Absolutely. So this is this probably is a bit informed by my practice as a teacher. Okay. To make things even sadder, this is probably <laughs> getting done teaching, you know, Whitman or Thoreau or Emerson for the day. And then going up, I and I still worked for my first couple of years, I would work on the farm and teach. So oh, I probably... Cool probably, you know, stopping to buy some gas station roses on my way home to jump in the tractor for a minute uh, after having taught, you know, Thoreau or whomever and thinking this was an important capturing of thoughts. <laughs> um, probably with the writing prompt to use adverbs. <laughs> yes. Oh. How, um, I, I did want to ask, uh, how much does your teaching uh, English and presumably some some poetry uh, within your classes, does that influence your writing today as much as it might have influenced it back then? Or have you kind of found a way to keep work and kind of your, your private passion separate, um, if that makes any sense? No, it totally does. That's a great question, actually, because at this point in time, the last thing you said, I, I keep these, my life is very bucketed now, which is partly that there is no time issue, right? That I'm teaching is busy, parenting is busy, whatever writing I do is at like five in the morning or 10 o'clock at night when I should be asleep. Sure. Um, I am very antisocial about my lunches. <laughs> like mm. my, my lunch is, is writing. Um, I co-authored a teaching book. I saw that. I was going to plug that. Years ago. Yeah. <laughs> that all my first draft stuff was done on lunch break. Oh, right? wow. Half the poems I've gotten published since then first drafts probably came out on, on lunch break or when the kids were asleep when I should be sleeping too. Right. So there is not um, enough time. So I have to keep things bucketed now. So my writing life does not overlap with my teaching life at all, except, except for the, you know, the, what do they call it? Duty-free lunches. <laughs> you know, the, sure. We aren't allowed to work on lunch break theoretically. <laughs> so um, I keep them separated, but having taught, I think this long, like I, again, I'm a late bloomer. I didn't get my first poems published until what would that be? 2014, 15, 16, somewhere in that range. Um, so, you know, like I'm already in my forties, you know, and by the time I'm getting my first stuff published. Um, and so I don't know how much teaching led to my writing so much as teaching kids to do close readings over and over and over again of stuff is sort of like putting yourself through your own writing workshop. Like, I don't know that I had an instructor saying, Hey, Mitch, this is how you notice um, the shift in tone two thirds of the way through the poem. But I kind of became the, you know, like by reading the same stuff enough times with my students, I noticed it. Right. So it's sort of like, if you're teaching, um, this is going to sound egocentric and I don't mean it that way, but if you're teaching well in that you are, continuously trying to get better and not just going through the motions, you kind of end up in your own writing workshop. Even though you are the guide of the workshop, you're kind of also a student at the same time. So that's a kind of a gray area answer to a great question. Short answer is like, no, not really. I keep the two separated. 
Long answer is I can keep the two separated now after 20 years of a high school English classroom where I really probably did learn a lot about craft just from analyzing literature and teaching students how to figure out what's going on in a piece of literature. I, I love that answer actually. Um, with what you were saying about writing workshops um, and the ways in which that has helped you become a, a better writer yourself of knowing how to do close readings and stuff. Even my very small experience um, with poetry in this in this podcast project, um, Dave and I, when we finish uh, episodes with guests and, and each week, um, I always joke, we have convinced ourselves that we truly love poetry. <laughs> uh, I'm curious, how would you identify your current style or something that you that that resonates? Is it still this instruction manual style of the noble farmer and and the roses, or where where have you moved to? <laughs> certainly hope I'm not still doing that. <laughs> um, that's a, another great question. I'm not sure because for me, writing is it starts as just a means of kind of working my way through life. It's a way of helping me think about the world and life and, and how everything works, I guess, uh, which is ultimately why we read as well. So mm -hmm. I think it's partly just, I've always been the kind of guy who didn't just take things in. Um, like when I see something else, I used to like try to make comics. I grew up reading comics and then I would try to make my own, right? Sure. Like, so part of it might just be a, a wiring issue. Like I'm just wired like, hey, I like this thing. I want to try to do it too. We had a band, right? My brother and I had a band. We like music. Let's make a band. Um, so I think partly it's just that I'm that kind of guy. Like, hey, I really like this thing. Let me try to make it on my own. So I think a lot of my writing is, is that reading helps me understand life. So I, I write to better understand life mm -hmm. too, I mm -hmm. think. Um, but I'm not, that sounds kind of grandiose because I don't know that that works. Like, I don't know that my poems are helping anybody understand life. Um, so it's, it's more just uh, thinking out loud, I guess. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of my work at this point kind of thematically revolves around like parenting, sure. um, teaching and the natural world. You know, I grew up largely outdoors and in a rural area. So a lot of my stuff has always been kind of nature oriented, going back to the transcendentalist you cited a second ago. Uh, only we're, we're also in, you know, some pretty dark times when it mm -hmm. comes to that, you know, like it's, we're living in the middle of the sixth extinction. Um, whenever you try to write a poem about like, you know, this gorgeous bird in the backyard, I'm, I can't help but think like, well, when I was eight, there were 50 of those bird and now there's yeah. one, you know, so my stuff is also kind of grim, <laughs> I think, um, but I, I think in not setting out to do that, like I was never a big listener of Morrissey and the Cure. Like I'm not thought <laughs> about it. It's that I'm trying to write about the natural world at a time when um, human life is has rent asunder anything Gerard Manley Hopkins was writing about. Yeah, you know, yeah. We did all this. Um, you know, Thoreau or like all those guys, like they, they caught it while it was still working, you know? So it's, <laughs> For the most part. Yeah. <laughs> we were in the early stages. I mean, looking back, it's like, well, no, cause you had smokestacks by then, buddy. So like, yeah, your generation, probably the biggest ones to blame as it turns out, but Hey, hindsight's 2020, you know, is what it is. Yeah. So um, my final question before we, we kind of wrap up as you, as you've read these two um, pieces, we we can call them that. Uh, it's, our pieces. Yeah, pieces uh, of work is to be determined. Yeah, 
I guess I guess it's a twofold question. So you can answer one or both or or neither. Um, would you present these to a high school class as like um, this is maybe like a, a an editing prompt? Would you present this as like a workshop material, or if you were handed in something along these lines from a student, what would your feedback be? So to share these in, in an actual high school writing workshop structured classroom would be an act of immense bravery. <laughs> it would maybe be on me. <laughs> I mean, you could just call it anonymous. <laughs> I found this in the parking lot. Yes. <laughs> Let's have at it. Um, if I were teaching, so part of my teaching career was in a fairly rural area. The farming one could work there just because sure. there was a connection to it. Yeah. Um, just because they would know how much of it is, is nonsense, <laughs> you know, um, I would be very reticent to teach it in a suburban or urban area. Um, I'm in the suburbs now and, and often like, you know, you day one, you give the kids a little teaching, a little background of yourself as a teacher. And it's like, Oh, you're from a farm. Like, yeah, I know how to milk a cow. And like this conversation will often lead to kids asking like, so where, wait, milk comes from cows. Like, yeah. 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 <laughs> Any milk comes from a mammal. Like, I'm sorry, almonds don't actually produce milk. That's a lie they do for advertising and marketing. Um, so like we're getting in these pretty wild conversations. So I would not teach the farming ones. It would leave like the amount of context necessary. Right. <laughs> oh, wow. The average suburban classroom. And, and I, I mean, obviously most kids understand milk comes from Yeah, no. <laughs> it's not, you know, pandemic level of misunderstanding of the origin of milk. But it would be um, Oh, I forget what was part two of the question. Oh, if these, if these were turned in, that's a much easier question because anytime you're working on a creative project as a teacher, um, ideally you're understanding that things are a process. You're really more so trying to teach students the writing process mm -hmm. than you are trying to teach them what a quality end product looks like. Um, because anybody in your teenage years or when you're 23, or I mean, I, I've worked with adult learners before. Like if you've never written a poem before and you're 59, your first couple are probably going to stink. And that's okay. Allowed and encouraged. Um, you know, you, you have to write thousands of lines of lousy poetry before you get, you know, to something decent. Um, I mean, I'm just grasping at numbers. For some people, it probably comes automatically. Sure. Like, imagine Ross Gay was writing marvelous poetry in kindergarten, right? <laughs> um, Kelly Russell Hagedon was on a couple episodes ago. Like, she probably got there a lot faster <laughs> than yeah. most of us. Um, but most of us need to kind of wade through the muck for a long time before we produce um, anything that, you know, an audience is going to want to spend time. Yeah, like I'd give it an A. Like you, you, if you followed the prompt, if you spent the time, if you did this in more than thirty seconds, you were gonna get an A. You know, like you did the work. You know, creative stuff is hard. I'm not gonna base it on whether or not it should be published. Like, <laughs> the process. It's a process. I love that. Um, yeah, it's it's recognizing the the craft rather than the final product. That's that's really cool. Um, yeah, and um, do you want to do you want to speak a little bit more on uh, what this uh, Kickstart Farmington is? Um, oh, sure. Yeah, I, 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 just... um, I live in Farmington, Michigan. It's a suburb in Metro Detroit, um, and it's a cool suburb because it's one of those like you can tell it used to be a town. <laughs> um, sure. I mean, it's right there in the name, like Farming Town. Um, but 
with spread. De- Detroit is kind of the original, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Sprawl. It's like the original place of sprawl. Mm-hmm. Like, we kind of invented suburbs and like everybody needs their own house. And uh, we also deserve a lot of the blame for the climate problem here in Metro Detroit, right? Uh, so it was an old farming town that like Metro Detroit kind of sprawled around. So mm. got this. Um, and so we, this really cool guy, Dwayne Hayes, a friend of mine, he didn't do it on his own. It's like this whole organization, but he is, I, don't, I can't remember his title. I'm, I'm vamping my way through trying to remember his title, but he's like the president or the executive director or the, the guy who runs this organization that has lots of like... Um, members on the panel and the board and whatnot who also guide him he's sort of the point guard I, i'm a basketball guy okay. see how my brain clicked the second i got to a basketball <laughs> analogy so my friend Dwayne is the point guard for this local arts organization um and uh that's where the wednesday night session show i host is a reading series for them uh so it's it's cool they've got like a little storefront where they'll feature like a local artist or two uh like painters photographers etc with a little gift shop where they do like you know they'll sell prints of that person's work mm. um it's, it's really cool. It's, it's kind of like a lot of kind of cool small towns near big towns where you have enough population to make this kind of thing work. Sure. Or college towns, this sort of thing is common in college towns where you get this kind of like small arts organization doing cool stuff. They do an annual film festival that's really oh, awesome. Cool. Yeah. So yeah, all that kind of stuff. Um, the name is misleading because it's like Kickstart and ART is capitalized. It has nothing to do with kickstarter.com. Uh, that's the most <laughs> common question I get when I tell people about the, the reading show that I host. Like, no, it's it's not funded through crowdsourcing or anything like that. It's just a cool name for a small downtown uh, arts organization. Yeah, so that's it. It's a cool small town arts organization. There's your short answer. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. Well, Mitch, um, I don't know what was just ringing, but uh, I don't know what else a teacher could be doing at, in the summer. I mean, you have the summers off, right? how long do you have me to respond to that no 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 (laughs) well uh before we let you go here uh at my bad poetry we end each week with the words of a true poet and um we would be honored to have you share one of your works with us so would you be willing to share a poem with us today I absolutely would. Thank you very much for asking. It's uh, And again, before we sign out of here, it's been an honor to be asked to be on the show to talk about my lousy origin years as a writer, the early years. Um, we, we all have to go through those stages. So I love this, the whole premise of this podcast. Again, as my answer to your teaching thing, right? Like it's all about the process and everybody goes through this stage. And I think that we don't talk about it enough because people are scared out of trying to do their own writing because it, it comes out magically great. Like, no, everybody goes through the tons and tons of lousy writing um okay so uh since we looked at two of mine that were kind of early examples of me trying to capture something from the natural world in a positive light how but that's putting a nice shine on it um i'll go with one that was published sort of recently that's that's kind of a i would like to think better example of looking at the natural world so this one is called the spine and it was published on Hobart um, late last year sometime, uh, Thanksgiving Day, actually. Yeah, so anyways, this one is called The Spine. While tromping the snowless woods for a Christmas tree, I stepped on a deer's spine. Well, half a deer, really, which is another mystery in itself. I called over my son and we perused every crag, the zipper of the vertebrae, the innumerable pores in the fractured skull. When I die, May I be left to rot, to be found as bones by the curious future and poked at with sticks, even if for only a minute 
before moving on to whatever future task is at hand. May I be a healthy reminder of awe and intricacy. Yeah, this is very moving. Um, wow. Just kind of letting it sink in here. To be found as bones by the curious future. I, I love that line. It's, it's that open-ended future, the curious future. Um, yeah, no, this is, yeah, this is bringing to mind so many of those times when like I'm, I'm on a hike with my daughter and it's just like, you see something cool and you just want her to experience it for a moment and just to like, take it in, like, look at this bug or, uh, and it, yeah, that just that idea of to poke at with a stick for even just a moment. Or like you say here, even for only a minute before moving on, that healthy reminder of, yeah, you truly do capture kind of the the beauty of creation, unlike your earlier work. But um, no, this, <laughs> you know, I, I wouldn't have thought of it like looking at this poem otherwise. But after looking at my early stuff with its lousy fictionalization of stuff, like there's there's a an attempt to capture nobility in this poem too. <laughs> There is back to your question about, you know, where's my work now? Well, apparently I'm still observing nobility in, in mundane things. No, it is. Yeah. You, you paint this picture of like a, a, a true encounter with, I mean, a decaying corpse, a deer in the woods. And yeah, it just has, it has more truth to it. It's, it just feels truer than uh, sometimes it's in plastic, sometimes in boxes. <laughs> You kind of you, you hit where I was going to go next. I mean, let's not lose sight of the fact that this is probably one fourth as long as either of the other two. Like, <laughs> we don't need to repeat all the different ways the roses come. Like, the spine is here. Here's the spine. Yeah. <laughs> Editing sometimes a good thing. Less is more. Sometimes less is, less is more. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mitch, this this has been a joy um, to have you on. I hope you want to come back sometime. Absolutely. This, this has been a treat. Well, and I, I got to complete the collection because I didn't get to talk to Dave. So, you know. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, as we wrap up, this has been My Bad Poetry. Now go write some of your own bad poetry. <laughs> oh, thanks, Mitch. Hey. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, this was great. Rhyme free does matter. It's my bad poetry.